Welcome, and thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Matthews Podcast, a podcast highlighting commercial real estate news topics and trends from top professionals in the industry. I'm your host, Matt Wallace, a 10-year commercial real estate industry veteran, transacting on over a billion dollars in real estate across asset classes and across the country over the last decade. I now serve as a market leader at Matthews, helping to expand the, the brand and office footprint across the country. Today, we're joined by Daniel Withers. Uh, Dan has been an industry veteran here for 20 years now in commercial real estate, uh, now serves as a senior vice president and market leader for the Matthews Encino office. Uh, in addition to leading the Encino office, Dan is a top producing multifamily agent in Southern California with a specialized focus within the San Fernando Valley. Uh, throughout his career, Dan has closed on over a billion dollars in multifamily investment sales and ground up development sites. In this episode, we're going to discuss the ever-evolving multifamily landscape and particularly how the volatility of rental rates is affecting investors in the market as a whole. So let's welcome to the podcast, Dan. Let's dive in. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. I'm excited to kind of dive in and you know discuss the Southern California apartment market, which is definitely exciting. It's definitely got its challenges, but overall, I'm excited to be here and thanks for having me. Great. Well, let's start there. What are the biggest challenges right now that owners and investors are facing in the Southern California multifamily market? You know, it's interesting. We are kind of in a huge price discovery phase, I think, in this market. We have a lot of owners and operators that have been stomaching COVID and kind of the past ramifications of what COVID had brought on to operations. And we're now kind of getting out from underneath that. And when I discussed the, you know, the price discovery phase, we've seen a huge run up right now of interest rates. And that's been what the driver was up until now. And it's going to be the driver moving forward. If you look at what the 10 year was in January of 2002, we were sitting at about a one and a half percent. If you look at it in the beginning of this year, we we're at 3.87%. Today, I think we're right around 4.3. So about a 280 basis point move on interest rates. And when you're working a marketplace like Southern California, which is very compressed cap rate driven market, it's hard for buyers to come in and see the intrinsic value of these properties at such a low cap rate basis already. So before we were getting deals done in the mid threes to four and a half cap with interest rates being, you know, in the close to three now with interest rates in the 6% range, it's becoming very challenging for buyers to step in and to run a profitable business. It's becoming more of a nonprofit sector, but it's definitely interesting. It's interesting to see where this market's going to go so, and, and kind of the so headwinds. A lot of different factors at play here. I mean, Southern California, it's some of the most desirable dirt on the planet. There's always going to be demand there, but it seems like the math equation here right now with interest rates is one of the big headwinds. So take us maybe a bit before COVID and leading up to COVID and then what the environment we're now in, you know, how were investors pricing off the 10-year and what was the expectation on growth and how has that changed now that we're in this post-COVID inflation fighting economy here? Yeah, in terms of pricing, you know, a lot of the investors would look at, you know, let's say if rates were running in the, you know, the kind of the low threes, they needed at least that 1% bump in terms of cap rates, how they're going to drive it. So there's still that little positive spread. Now we're in a 6% market. So in return, you would think, 
cap rates would need to be at 7% in order to, you know, get any deals done. So a lot of the deals that we're structuring today are, you know, it's the, the penciling just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so it's taken a lot of the kind of value add buyers out of the marketplace, which is dried up sales. And then on top of that, we've got municipalities and state measures that have kind of driven the apartment owners away from being able to execute on some of these dispositions. So they, you know, they adopted a mansion tax in the city of Los Angeles, which if you own a building north of 5 million up to 10 million, there's going to be an additional 4% tax on that property at the time Jeez, of sale. 4%. If you own a building 10 million and up, you're at a five and a half percent tax. So if you start looking at some of these merchant builders, guys that are putting shovels in the ground that are looking to stabilize and sell, they're already cut real thin on their profit margin with the construction costs being where they're at, supply chain still not in line since COVID. And then you add these taxes to it, it's pretty much dried out our sales velocity. All right. So, so right now we're talking rates are rising, construction costs have been elevated since COVID. And now we've got additional legal and taxation headwinds coming down the pipeline. How has that impacted total volume and what what is still trading today? It's a good question. So we've seen, you know, transactions fall off the cliff over the last eight months. If you look at last year, just in LA County, a million dollars and up. Uh, and keep in mind the average apartment building size is 15 units in Los Angeles area. So it's a private client, private capital market. Yes, there's some institutional players in here, but the you know the average building is you know 15 to 16 units in size. If you look at a million dollars and up in 2022, there was about just under 1,600 transactions, equating to about 9.3 billion in sales. If you look at that same metrics this year for the first eight months, there's been only 881 transactions, 3.5 billion in volume. Wow. So we've seen a huge drop in transactions. A lot of that's a lot of that's predicated on interest rates. If you look at across the country, those areas that have had decent yields, if they're, you know, if they have decent cap rates tied to some of these apartment transactions, they're going to get sold. But in Southern California with a very low compressed cap rate area, it's tough for investors to pencil it in the uh, interest rate environment that we're in right now. How is the ability to grow the cash flow over time been affected what trends in rent and value add are we seeing well if you look at when the market when covid kind of hit the moratoriums that were in place across la county were built to protect the tenant they weren't built to protect the landlord so we spent a good two and a half to three years with very minimal rent growth unfortunately we're now starting to, you know, these owners are now starting to see the repercussions of this. You know, we've got clients that bought four years ago. We're going to go in and do a, you know, value add a reposition of that property. But then COVID hit, they had to put the brakes on doing any sort of improvements, any sort of increase in rents. And now post COVID, they now got a loan coming due. They weren't able to get their NOI growth. And so they're sitting on either having to bring a significant amount of money to the table in order to secure new debt on that property, or they're going to have to sell. 
And we're talking to owners every single day. You know, I was talking to a client yesterday and we basically mapped it out that he needs to bring about $350,000 to the table or increase his rent by X amount in order to prevent him having to bring money to the table. And in this environment, it's hard to do that. It's very hard to do that. The dreaded cash in refi. Uh, yeah, how do we avoid that? Yeah, um, throwing, throwing good money at bad. Right. What about you know bigger picture supply demand fundamentals? I mean, Southern California remains one of the most desirable places to live on the planet. I imagine that this is going to cause some pent up demand that will eventually uh, offer some reprieve. What are your thoughts on just the, the the basics of the market in terms of are there is there enough housing for people to live in? The answer is no. The municipalities locally make it very difficult for developers to come in and put shovels in the ground. And the ones that are building very class A, high-end luxury style apartments, which is great for those that can afford to live in those areas. What we're lacking is your kind of working class, affordable housing. You know, this mansion tax, uh, the ULA tax was designed to help bring money towards affordable, but unfortunately it's completely dried up transactions. So that plan isn't working. I know they're adopting some new measures to try to get more of a quick planning process on the affordable side. Who knows, you know, over time, if that's going to, you know, carry through and uh, be implemented. But yeah, there's still a huge supply and demand issue. And I would say that if you look at, you know, Southern California, you look at San Fernando Valley here, for instance, you know, they now have these tracking meters on where the evictions are taking place. And it's all the new product areas. So areas of Warner Center, the North Hollywood, NoHo district. If you look at the trends that are happening right now, a lot of these new construction projects are struggling either getting tenants or being able to evict some of the ones that are currently there just through COVID and not paying. What I'm hearing, Dan, we, we've seen all these, you know, headwinds coming down the pipeline, but pressure keeps building. We saw we're dealing with a housing crisis. People don't have places to live and transactions have dried up. What's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back and where are we going to see change come from? Is it is it loan defaults? Is it pressure on municipalities and you know government officials to address the housing crisis in Southern California? What What's going to be that driver that causes change in the market? It's a great question, Matt. It's hard to put my 10 cents to what the main driver is going to be, but I think there's going to be a lot of different things that are going to be driving this. I do think that with these moratoriums that were in place, you know, a lot of these owners have not been able to grow that NOI. And I think, you know, come city of Los Angeles, they're going to be, I think it's in February of next year, you'll be able to start doing your rent increases unless the council, councilmen and women decide against that. But as of right now, that will help and drive, you know, individuals NOIs. I do think that the Interest rate environment is still going to be very difficult and locally, which then comes in line with sellers, I think, need to be a little bit more realistic in terms of the price point and the valuations that they can get for these assets. We're working with a lot of different investors right now of apartment buildings that are slowly repositioning their portfolios out of the city of Los Angeles, out of Southern California, either looking to get away from day-to-day -day management or into other areas that are a little bit more pro-landlord, less pro-tenant. We've seen transactions in the Dallas-Fort Worth market, 
We've seen clients move into the Tennessee market, which if, you know, if you told me this 15 years ago, I'd say you're crazy, you know, because a lot of the clients that we worked with back then would go out of state and, and really didn't do well on on the repositioning of their equity but now it seems like they're really taking on that out-of-state management in a positive light which is great to see we just finished the disposition of a small portfolio a couple properties where that owner went into some net lease investments out of state and they were able to increase their cash flow about 35 percent and free themselves up with management so to kind of circle back, I don't know what the future is in store for us, and I don't know what's going to really drive us to get people to see the light that's ahead. But I think if we can see a little drop in interest rates, if we can see sellers get more in line with where the market is today, and then hopefully municipalities come around and stop leaning on the landlord, we should start seeing things pick up. So you reference some of the migration effects that we really saw start during COVID, especially when there were great differences in lockdown restrictions between states. Has that slowed at all over the last six to 12 months, or is it still a pretty dramatic shift in terms of people and really investor dollars leaving Southern California for less restrictive states? You know, I still think the mindset is that they would like to reposition. A lot of guys are just on the sideline right now, either pumping the brakes, trying to figure out what their next move is. You know, obviously we've seen a drop of over 60% in transactions. So the velocity is not there right now, but we are still seeing people wanting to exit and looking to exit and are exiting. It's just not at the, the, you know, if you look at 18 months ago compared to today, we're not at those numbers on the velocity side, but it's still a strong sentiment that, you know, Southern California real estate, yes, it's great, but the municipalities control it. And a lot of these investors we're working with on a day-to-day -day basis are just kind of tired of the stronghold that these municipalities have on them as an operator. And so they're looking for other options. Well, for the deals that are getting done, it seems like certainly a potential opportunity for longer-term generational investors to, to get in, frankly, at a good basis. What would your advice be for investors looking to get into the Southern California multifamily market? What deals are trading and how do you get them done across the finish line with financing strategies? Yeah, if you look at the deals that are, so on average, my average deal size, if you look over the last couple of years, I usually do in that kind of five to 10 million space. That space has completely dried up because of the ULL tax. It's the mansion tax has kind of dried up that market. Now, are there deals cycling through? There are, but a lot of people are kind of focusing on that 5 million and under space. And we're seeing a lot more people getting out of the LA area and venturing into areas like your San Gabriel Valley, your Orange County, your Ventura, Santa Barbara County, where there's a little bit more of a pro-landlord effect in these marketplaces. But right now, it seems like we're doing a lot of little singles. You know, it's those two to $3 million deals. And I think for those that are, you know, those that are looking to kind of break into that, you got to work with a very good capital markets agent. And we're fortunate enough here at Matthews to have some very good capital markets agents. Work closely with them to make sure that you get your debt in order. We're seeing a lot of these buyers going away from your traditional, the large institutional banks are kind of on the sidelines. They're kind of priced out of the market. We've been able to free up capital in some of the regional banks, as well as local credit unions. So get with your capital markets agent, know what the debt is, know what you got to do to execute to get that debt. You're not looking to get rich quick. 
on these purchases. You're going to have to work a process. I would say, you know, position to be in the deal for five to seven years. And hopefully between that period, you can grow the NOI and get the asset to where you need it to be and, and then reposition. A lot of our guys are looking in kind of the C, B minus areas. They see there's more value there and there's much more workforce housing in those areas where they can kind of execute their business plan. And then on top of that, just be real well capitalized. You know, make sure you've got your money lined up and that you can get access to that money quick. We're certainly seeing a lot of just lower leverage loans, people parking more cash into the assets themselves and, and looking to hold on for longer and then potentially refi out or just having taking a longer term look at the assets that are getting traded. Seeing that across all the asset classes as well. I was going to say, it's, you know, it's interesting. If you look at the last four or five downturns that we've experienced over the years, this historically speaking, it usually takes about five, five to seven years to kind of reach a bottom on pricing and then another six to eight years to kind of get back up to where the peak values were. You know, I think we're probably 18 to 24 months into this. So I think we're still going to experience some downward pressures on pricing. You know, I think we're in, this is going to be for a while. Right now, the market's pretty stagnant and I think that will change, but I do anticipate values to continue to downward. You know, we've seen a, you know, 10 to 15% drop in valuations here locally. And I anticipate that to continue to happen over the next couple of years. And then we'll flatten out and start building our way back up to where we were prior to, prior to the last two years. So it'll, it's interesting, but I, I do think there's going to be a lot of opportunity out there, both locally and, and nationally. Yeah, it's been <laughs> certainly a crazy environment to, to be a broker in the last 20 years. I mean, the free money era post great financial crisis is clearly over. And, you know, looking at interest rates today, historically, you know, there nothing's crazy about them. It's just the seems the speed in which we've gone from zero to four and a half percent has really been what's rocked everything and getting sellers to adjust to that type of pricing is certainly the challenge. And before we wrap up, do you have any advice to owners and potential investors and clients you'd like to offer up to, to help get the deals done that are getting done? or what most to focus on when you're looking at multifamily real estate? Yeah, I'd say right now, on, on terms of ownership side, operations are key. You know, we've had so much pain on the operational side over the last three years because of COVID, you know, non-paying tenants. You know, now that's slowly starting to kind of take a backseat as some of these tenants now are doing, you know, workouts on some of their back their past due rents, but operations is huge right now. And I think we're looking at a continuing increase in expenses in Southern California, you know, insurance premiums are going through the roof right now. So if you can tackle your, you know, your day-to-day -day operations and find ways to cut costs there, while at the same time providing a very good quality of living for tenants that are gonna be occupying your buildings, you know, I would not skimp on any sort of remodels right now, spend the money, especially inside the units. If you can provide a good quality uh, place for tenants to live, they will value that and you will, you know, you will attract good tenants. It's an interesting time right now. And, you know, none of us know what tomorrow is in store, but I do think 
there is light at the end of the tunnel. I, I do think that there's going to be some great opportunities for those that are looking to purchase. I think there's going to be some issues on the debt side with a lot of people, both here locally and nationally, um, that are sitting on very low interest rate debt right now that's going to be rolling. Um, and I think that will provide some opportunities for you know, buyers that are well capitalized, that have the team in place to execute and execute quickly. That's where I think it's going to separate, you know, buyers right now. If you can execute on deals very quickly, there's going to be a lot of people that with some blood in the water that need to get, need to get a property sold quickly. And if you can navigate through those waters and make it happen, I think there's going to be some good buying opportunities. Fantastic. Yes. The old, you know, be greedy when others are fearful always resonates. Well, Dan, we're going to wrap up here, but thank you so much for your time. Obviously, highly complex and volatile environment and all the more reason, all the more important to work with an expert in the field. And clearly with your track record and career are the expert to talk to in Southern California for multifamily. So thank, thanks for joining us. I really appreciated your, your time here today. Matt, thanks for having me. This has been really great and look forward to doing it again soon. Awesome. And for all the listeners, thanks for, for joining us for a glimpse inside the Southern California multifamily market and tune in next time. Thanks, Dan.